This is At The Line, and we're doing a collaboration today as we, again, are doing a horrible hiatus job of not doing podcast. But uh, I am Ty Yeager, along here with Mac Pena. Mac, how are you doing tonight? What's up? What's going on? We're excited to be here. And uh, yeah, we're definitely not as consistent as Pick a Pod, Pick a Side Pod. Yeah, so we're here with Pick a Side Pod um, with Joel and Riv. Uh, so guys, you guys want to go ahead and introduce yourselves? Yeah, you know, my name is Joel. I'm the one who said the Spurs will suck this year, and it wasn't that far of a prediction. You know, can't count out Popovich. Pretty sad over this guy I bet $200 with on Spurs Twitter, though. That's got me bummed out, but yeah. You know, go Spurs, go, I guess. We're on the Spurs podcast. Riff, what do you got to say? Uh, I'm Riff. I'm the other guy who also said the Spurs suck. And uh, they've surprised me this year by getting into the plan, but I am a DeJounte Murray fan, so go DeJounte Murray. 100%, yeah. And that's that's great. We, we watched, we, I mean, we watched, obviously, we watched the, the uh, you know, the, the, the podcast that you guys just had, and, you know, we saw that, you know, you're giving DeJounte props and stuff, so it's really, really cool to see that. Yeah, DeJounte oh, Murray is an excellent player. That's been my guy since Washington, man. I love him to death. Yeah, he's 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 been amazing. So, all right, I mean, we can get into this. Uh, yes. It, and again, oh, just sorry, real quick. Uh, I just want to put out there: this isn't like um, a podcast where we're, you know we want to get gotcha moments or trying to make anybody look dumb. Like I, I you know, I told Joel uh, before Riv, you came on that I really love the way your your you guys format is in the podcast, and so it's kind of the same thing. Like we just want to have a conversation. And uh, kind of just have it free flowing, moving. Especially if this is a conversation where it's two pro Spurs fans and then two guys that well, you guys said the Spurs suck, but you still have you have more of a general NBA background, and I think that's always a good way to discuss a bit guys that are really big fans with guys that are more they're fans of other teams, but they have more of that general NBA vibe. But so we just want to get started. What was going into this season? And of course, we're recording this after the season just ended last night. What were your guys' expectations of the Spurs going into this season? First from you, Joel. I mean, for me with the Spurs, I thought they were going to be a team that was going to be one of the worst teams in the NBA. And I think they weren't far off from it. Um, Because you have teams that are blatantly tanking, like the Rockets and the Thunder. The Lakers and their catastrophe, you know, catastrophe. I'm trying. I'm messing up on the word, but <laughs> their entire mean. yeah, their entire they've been an entire mess. The Kings traded for Sabonis. You would think they would make a playing push, and they totally flopped. And Sabonis did get hurt. You know, to be fair, so I felt like a lot of things went the Spurs' way. But with that being said, I'm not going to take away much from the Spurs because even in the beginning of the season, all they although they were losing. They were competing with every team in the NBA. It seemed like every single game the Spurs played, it was a close game. You had DeJounte having great performances. Uh, Keldon Johnson was very efficient this season. So they definitely surprised me. And Greg Popovich had his team playing amazing as always. I still don't think the Spurs have that true star. I think they're building a, a good young core right now. But I do feel like they're a blue chip prospect away from taking that next step. I don't. I don't see a guy on the roster currently that I look at and I'm like, I think he can be a top 15 player, top 10 player in the NBA. So actually that kind of actually comes to a conversation that we were talking that Mac and I were having before we recorded was we, cause I know Riv, he'd mentioned that 
he, you didn't see a superstar player, and then you, in the video at least that you guys posted that, you clarified it as a top 10 from Riv specifically, and then Joel, you said top 15. So just I want to make sure, where's our baseline for our superstar player in terms of the top ranking players in the league? It could uh, be 15 or 10. Um, Riv, you want to answer that? Yeah, for me, it's a top 10 player in the league. You know, I think top 10, top 12-ish, you know, I think – Basically, being one of the best players in the league, constantly being in the MVP conversation, like that's for me is a superstar. Yeah, and I guess. Go ahead, so Mac. you you kind of mentioned, uh, you mentioned that in the in the in the podcast, but then you also mentioned names like Cade and Evan Mobley and. Uh, in terms of potential. Yeah, yeah, in terms of potential. So my question is like, at what um, well according to like what what metrics are you guys using like if you are using any metrics is it, is it like just more eye test or is it like superstar potential off the court um like is- for me me personally the like i judge rookies off of eye test i feel like looking at numbers yeah. from a rookie is really weird because they're meant to struggle in a sense so for me it's like a lot of the eye test a lot of the off the court issues like what do they bring into the locker rooms or how do they lead on the court? Like stuff like that, like intangibles. Like that's a big thing for me in terms of superstars also. Cause like, for example, I could use Jimmy Butler as an example. He's a superstar in in itself because of the intangibles he brings, not just because of talent, cause he's not the most talented guy, but his intangibles and what he brings in the leadership. So for me, that that's like what I look for more eye tests for rookies, definitely, but intangibles also. Okay. I think it's a combination of both. I think it's eye test, but it's also numbers, you know, because a player could look very good, but if he's shooting horrible from the field and he's not very efficient, a.k.a. Jalen Suggs, you know, I'm definitely lower on him now than I was going into the draft. But you look at the rookies now. Um, I thought this was a generational draft class. Scotty Barnes is going to be versatile, and he's going to be one of the better two-way players in the NBA. Evan Mobley, he's like a Chris Bosh, in my opinion, Ed Cunningham can be Jason Tatum, Luka-esque. And you have Jalen Green, who he is very much Zach Levine to me And when I see him play. So because of that, I feel like they just have that potential. Maybe top 10, maybe pushing it for some of these players, but they definitely have the potential to be a top 20, top 15 player in the NBA. And when talking about top 10, top 15, like I think um, Jason Tatum coming into this season he was on the cusp of top 10. You know, we had him around 10 to 12. And right behind him is a guy like Devin Booker, who maybe ranks 15 to 18th in, in the league. I think he's probably closer to 15 to 18th now. But that's the type of player I'm looking for that I see the Spurs don't currently have. Like, that player, like, the, I think Tatum is better than Devin Booker, but I don't think there's that big of a disparity. I think DeJounte Murray is an all-star caliber player. I think he's totally, he's fine if he's the second, third option on the team. And granted, the the Spurs are, in a sense, in a rebuild right now. I just feel like if they add a blue chip prospect in this draft, it can propel them into into greater heights. And I think that's that's at least where I am with this, where I'm, I'm on the same page, where the Spurs are certainly one significant piece away. Either that be, like you said, your top, your blue chip prospects in terms of a, like a top five guy, at least in this draft, or go out and get a guy like Zach Levine, who's going to be an unrestricted free agent. Again, big, get a big name, big and number one option that will solidify like your team leadership, your go-to score. Spurs definitely don't have that go-to score. DeJounte's kind of had to fill that role, but he's not, 
he's not on the level like a Devin Booker, but in terms of scoring. But overall, I still, I would say, Andy Bailey has a great, like a little great metric that's, um, if you sort every NBA player with 500 plus minutes by the average of their rank in like different 10 catch-all statistics between box score plus minus, Raptor, LeBron, all these other, some advanced metrics, you have like a really solid list. Like the top 10 is certainly a list I would agree with. If you said that these are the top 10 guys in the league, I would agree with this, which goes Jokic, Joel Embiid, Giannis, Tatum, Curry, Durant, LeBron, Trey Young, Luka Doncic, and Rudy Gobert with like Devin Booker at 11, which I would put Booker over Gobert. But I just want to see, would you guys agree with that like top 10 in terms of talent, at least this season? Outside of Gobert, yeah. Definitely, yeah. yeah. I, I don't think Gobert's top 10, but for the most part, they got it right. Yeah, I didn't, and so on this, but on this list specifically, they have DeJounte at 13th, like over Chris Paul, Drew Holiday, uh, John Morant, James Harden. And like, I think that... I think that DeJounte can become a top guy. I'm not going to say that he's going to be a top five guy in the league or anything like that, but he can stand with the rest. And overall, the talent is there. He's been showing strides. And I think that he can become – I'm not going to say that he's going to be a top ten guy in this league. I don't think that's I don't think that's there. But he's going to become one of the much better guys in this league, in a, very, a top 15 type player. He's going to become a star if he isn't already. Yeah, I think uh, those numbers do him justice. He's been playing phenomenal. He has a second most triple doubles this season. Um, but the thing I have, the, the gripe I have with Dejounte Murray is that, for example, he's over a guy like Drew Holiday. I feel like most teams that are trying to compete for a championship would rather Drew Holiday than Dejounte Murray, uh, for the simple fact that he's a better floor spacer. I think Dejounte Murray not having that jump shot as polished as it can be is definitely hurting him right now and hurting how many teams he can possibly fit and benefit when they're trying to compete for a championship. I do think he's a phenomenal player, and I think um, this breakout that we're seeing from him is is coming a bit more like later than we expected because of his injury earlier in his career. We were expecting him to break out much sooner, and because this is a much later breakout, he hasn't been getting that much attention as these other young up-and-comers in the league but he's definitely taken a huge step this year. That all goes goes towards, you know, him, unfortunately, at least in, in some cases, being on the Spurs. You know, it's like you have these players like John Moran, even Cade Cunningham, because he's leading Detroit right now. Number um, one pick, Evan too. Mobley. Yeah, number one pick. But Evan Mobley also had, like, a really heavy workload as a rookie before he got injured. Um, but the Spurs way is, like, the only – rookie that they've ever put in and like immediately threw into the fire was tony parker you know everybody else has been a gradual increase in workload like in the in the nba or getting you know nba minutes so and you're you're absolutely correct like the fact that he had that uh the acl tear um and then came back that next year and didn't necessarily play like the the primary ball handler role it wasn't until, like, this has been his actual first year of being, like, the primary ball handler. Because, you know, in the past, it was all either dishing it down to DeMar or L.A. or even, you know, Kawhi when he was here. So, Yeah, the the, be- the beautiful thing about it is DeJounte's still young. And even with all the setbacks, 
hurts, you know, the yeah. injury and playing on like under the veterans, he's still been getting better. Like, I think he's probably in terms of guards, one of the best all around point guards in the NBA. Like yeah. Joel said, though, the, the three point shot is holding him back a little bit, but he's still relatively young. And mm-hmm. as we've seen with his track record, he gets better every single year. So I don't think it's I don't think it's like wrong to say that he can definitely the jump shot will improve. It's just really a wait and see process. Yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. And 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 I mean, um, you know, you're you're absolutely right. Like, for for being twenty six, like this is the youngest team the Spurs ever have ever fielded, like in their entire entire time of existence. And so he is technically like one of the the eldest veterans on the team. I think like the only person older than him is probably um, Doug McDermott. Um, and so. So yeah, like he, he and he's still. So let me ask you this this question, and, and it's for both you and Joel and and Riv. Where would you guys say like their, um, a player's peak starts? Like because we you know some people say it's it's when they're later twenties, or you know some people say it's not until like they're they're twenty eight, twenty nine. Where would you guys say that a player's peak starts and where it ends? Or a player's prime. Yeah, I'm I sorry, feel yeah. like. You know, people used to say that it was 28 to 32, mm-hmm. but I think it's 26 to 30, like 26 to 31. I think that's more so when a player's prime is. And the way I look at players is your rookie year, like Riff said, you know, that's just a feel-out year. You're going to struggle. It doesn't, take, it doesn't get taken too seriously. The second year, it's still a feel-out process. That third year is when I expect to see at least – a player start to break out and have a stretch of games where they can look, they look like a star. And in that fourth year, if you're not a star by then, after that fourth year, I kind of already have a feeling of what type of player that guy's going to be. And Julius Randle kind of shattered the trend, but then again, didn't because he, you know, went back to the same guy he's always been this past season. But he won MIP later in his career. Well, usually you see players that are usually in their third, fourth years winning that award. And around that time, a player is usually 25, 26. If they if they came into the league young, they're like 24. I think a player's prime starts around that age, though. I would say like 26 to 31 is like prime years for a player. Um, For me, it's a little different because with this these new crop of guys coming in, they it's like you feel like they've, they've already damn near hit their prime so early on. It's really, I feel like it's really tough to put a number on it. I would probably say, like Joel said, though, probably like 25, 26 to around 30, 31. But I feel like every case is different because these guys are so great so early. It's really hard to project what's their actual prime. Some guys peak early, some guys peak late. But I would say, like, if I had to take a guess, probably like 25, 26, and then like 30, 31. Yeah, right. like I mean, Luca right now, like Luca is a. Uh... You know, would you say he's in his prime? You know, I don't think you'd say that because he's so young, but... Pretty young, too. I, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if for his entire career, he's just averaging a steady 20, 27, 8, and 8. You 100%, know, and yeah. Although yeah, that's yeah. not his... Although, like, he probably would never reach that prime, like, an, another gear of where he, where he is now. But where he is now is already one of the top players in the league. I mean, but he's, he's come in with a ton of experience, you know, from playing yeah. overseas. Like... He he already came in with a ton of experience under his belt. He also had like the, uh, I think it was the MVP for um, for Euro the, the, the Euro League, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so like you know he's one of those anomalies that 
that don't or i mean you're not going to get that consistently from like every rookie you know you draft mm -hmm. like he's that generational talent you know i think when we consider in when we consider primes i 100% agree with riv like it it definitely varies but i think we've seen it to where like um environment also impacts how long that longevity is because uh you know look at demar for for example like the dude in the past few years since he's went he's come out of he's come out of toronto he's just been been doing better and better and better every single year and and this year he you know he's insane um in chicago like he's he's doing insane things and so so yeah it just depends on environment too like it, it there's a lot of factors that that will affect that quote unquote peak but um yeah, at 26, I think I think that's still relatively young for for a player that doesn't have a lot of miles on his legs. You know what I mean? Like Dejounte, for like for a fact, his first and second year didn't put a lot of NBA miles on, and then his third year, I believe, was when you know he had that ACL tear, um, and it wasn't until like his fourth year that he that was when he was really starting to to put those NBA minutes on, and so he's relatively he still got some young legs, like fresh legs. Uh, for an NBA player, yeah, I mean, like you look at like I like I want to use like I was I'm gonna use a little, like not a small time player, but you look at Drew Holiday, right? Yeah. Drew Holiday made the All Star game at 22 years old, you know, and you you would think at that moment he's made the All Star game, he's supposed to be trending up, but he didn't really get to that type of respect level, that type of All Star consistency until around 28, 29. So it's yeah. like even see his prime, you you thought was gonna be early, but then. He had a bunch of years where it wasn't there until he finally got to that prime. So it's like, like you said, it's really a situation. It really depends on where you are in your environment, too. I definitely agree with that. Yeah, because he started playing with uh, Giannis. <laughs> at, like, yep. at, yeah, like uh, when he got moved from, from New Orleans. I mean, God bless his soul. You know, whoever goes to New Orleans is, you know, it's tough. <laughs> it's a tough environment to play in, <laughs> considering. So, all right, my last two questions in terms of DeJounte. Where do you rank DeJounte among the top point guards in the Oof. in the season this in the league this season? Now I'm not saying not just guards, because I know that adds a lot more players. So not point like guard. a Devin Booker, but point guard specifically, because DeJounte has clearly been the point for he's, this first team. For me, he, I don't I don't have a I have a he's in my tier with Fred Van Vliet, Darius Garland. Like he's in that tier for me. So oh, he's not he's not on the Steph you know, Trey Young, Luca, Dame level. No, he's not there. He's but he's definitely in that that yeah, tier right tier. there with yeah, that with Garland and Fred Van Vliet. I think I would have him right in that tier. So so that second tier then among yeah. players. Yeah. I, I can I think respect like, that. I think one of one of the things that and again you guys pointed it out too is and, and one of the things that we've all been pointing we've all trying trying to, you know, make sense of is is if he can if he can extend his game, if he can extend that range and you know, to you guys' point again, he's done it every single year. So eventually, I'm not. I'm not saying he's ever going to get to the Steph Curry or the Trey Young, because those guys are in terms of shooting insane shooters, like just insanely, insanely good. But like, you know, eventually, hopefully, he progresses and he continues to extend that range and just just becomes a lot better at what, it. What what numbers would you guys be looking for in his shooting to really push him to that first tier? I think it'd have to be like thirty six, thirty seven percent. From deep. Yeah, and I think DeJounte Murray's like he's he's a top ten point guard. I think he's barely cracking it though. I think he's top ten. 
but he's like eight nine for me. All right. It's who, it's, who's, it's who's the spiciest one that you would have in there though. Sorry, Riv. Well, I have Trey Young, I have Luca, I have Ja, I have yeah. Steph. That's four. Um, SGA I think is better. Ooh, um, it's spicy. It's spicy. <laughs> that's five. Chris Paul, I can't overlook Chris Paul. Like, wait, yeah, wait, I hold on, hold on. Do you have SGA over yeah. Chris Paul? No, no, no. This okay, is make sure. Make, in general. Make sure. This is six. Are we counting Kyrie as a point guard? Because if we are, that's seven. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I believe. Count. Yeah, okay. I, would, I, would I think. Gary I think James Harden. Harden James Harden, out of respect, you got to put him over. I think. I, I think. Uh, is he a point um, guard though? I wouldn't count his shooting. Yeah. I would count Darius Garland. I think he's better than Dejounte. Um, Dame didn't play this year, but when when healthy, we know he's better than Dejounte. No, so we're at like what eight, nine? Yeah, nine. Yep. And yeah, he's right there. Yeah, and then you you can debate Drew Holiday or a guy like Lamelo Ball or Russell Westbrook. Got to put Russell Westbrook in the top Ooh. ten. So After this oh, year, <laughs> yeah. At, at this at this point in time. <laughs> At this point in time, Russell Westbrook is not a top ten point guard to me. No, no, no. Look, I, I had this thought earlier today. I was in my car and I was driving. I was like, "Where do people even rank Russ? Like, where would he rank? Because there are players that, yeah, like if they played in a one on one, he's probably better than Russ. Is probably better than that said player if they're, they're both leading a team, but." Where would I really rank Russ? And I think when I really think about it, I wouldn't rank him top fifteen or twenty. Now it's like, like now this is not again. This is not the same Russell Westbrook of like five years ago. This is a very, this is one where age is catching up to him. His athleticism is not there, and his decision making is very questionable. Yeah, I feel sorry for for your uh, your your Lakers fan buddy, the the other one that was sitting across from you, Riv. Yeah. Oh, Drew. Like Jalen like Brunson, I would take over Russell Westbrook, and like I wouldn't think about it too much. Jalen Brunson is a is a goddamn hooper, man. That guy kills the Spurs every time he plays them. Yeah. So yeah, Dejounte's probably around the. I, I mean, I look at Dejounte and Drew Holiday kind of the same. Drew just shoots better from the three point line, to be honest. Yeah. I think they're kind of like around the same. I didn't team. even mention Fred either. I didn't mention Fred VanVleet. I, I think he did. did. No, I didn't. you must have mentioned the tier. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they're all they're right there. Like that's their group, and you know, point guard. That's the toughest position in the league. So shout out to him for getting there. You know, to get in that top four, top five, it's gonna be tough, definitely, because Trey Young is younger than him, Luca's younger than him, Jaws younger than him. So it's gonna be tough, and then you got other guards coming. But if he continues his all around game, then it, there should be no reason why he doesn't, if not, go up, stay where he is, which is good. All right, last question in terms of Dejounte. Is he your most improved player of the year? For me, yes. He was mine. You know, I was mine was Desmond Bain, but I'm so bad with the wards and, and not ch- changing my mind. Um, if I if it wasn't Desmond Bain though, I, I I would have Jordan Poole. All right, so why? So I just need a, I need from someone that that's been watching more of basketball. Why would you say Jordan Poole? Because that's at least for me, that's a bit confusing whenever you look at some of the other talent that you could pick for most improved. I think Draymond mentioned it. Um, most improved player is an, an award of a player who's improved the most, you know, self-explanatory. So, like, when looking at a guy like John Morant, like John Morant, yes, statistically, he improved tremendously, but we knew he was this level of player last year. Maybe he he's, uh, he's performed a tier above than what we thought. But we knew he he had this ability in him. 
Jordan Poole, I feel like when Steph was in the lineup, when Clay hadn't come back yet, he was the second scoring option. He was a big reason as to why the Warriors are winning. He was putting up 20 consistently. Then Steph goes out, Clay comes back, or no, Clay comes back, and now he has to find a new role. Now Steph goes out, so now it's Clay and Jordan Poole as the first two scoring options. And you see not only Clay Thompson playing really well, but you see Jordan Poole dropping 30 points, 20 points consistently. I, I think there are players that have a better statistical case than Jordan Poole, but I think when you look at the game and you watch him play, you can argue he's had the most improvement. And I think him going from year two to year three is is a bit more impressive than what Desmond Bain did as a rookie to your second year, if that makes sense. Because I think usually, like, as a, when you're a rookie, we have a baseline for you. And we expect you to, to improve from that year. But I think when you that second to third year leap is much grander than that rookie to second year leap. Desmond Bain, I had him as my MIP because he's had the highest point per game jump of any player. And without John Morant, the Grizzlies are what, 19 and 4, 20 and 4? And he's been their number one option when John Moran has went down. So because of that, I had Desmond Bain as my MIP. So I so I agree with John Hollinger's take on the most improved where he essentially counts out first and sec- second year players because, like you mm-hmm. said, there's yeah. expe- there's an expected jump there. So it's like people, I want to say KOC had Maxi Maxi uh, on his as yeah, his most improved, which I think that's mm-hmm. that's horrible. I can see the Jordan Pool. I can see the Jordan Pool take now. And I can understand it, but I, st- yeah. I just can't. I know that I have the bias of the Spurs here, Spurs fan here. I just don't know how you can't, how you can see Dejounte's numbers of near a triple double, league leader in steals, being put into an ele- elevated offensive role and actually keep that keep the efficiency. How you just can't say that he's a like one of your top. How you can say that he's like one of your top three guys for most improved player. Just that's uh, for like, my that's my take. It, yeah, and let, let me just add a little bit into that because. I think uh, I think Joel, I think you you eloquently put it like I I absolutely did not think Jordan Poole should have gotten any consideration for for MIP, but I think the way you you explained it like it really honestly made me start questioning like huh, maybe Jordan Poole is but on the flip side and this is just for me playing devil's advocate is like should a guy that plays alongside the two greatest shooters and a great floor facilitator like Draymond, like be considered in in the the MIP discussion. Like I mean, the the kid is, um, you know, the kid has generational talent all around him, um, and I know he's he's also stepped up. I mean, he's been an, an incredible player this year, um, but does that does the fact that he plays alongside Steph and Clay and Draymond, is that um, you know, should that be? taken into consideration when looking at the MIP, uh, you know, looking at the MIP race? I don't think so. And the reason for that is because I feel like Jordan Poole, when he was starting with Steph and Clay, like the offense is usually run for Steph. So it's basically everybody else has to kind of figure out how to mesh around him. Um, So the numbers aren't going to always be there. And then when he was relegated to the bench role, he came out and he was still, he was basically doing what Tyler Hero has been doing all season long, just from the bench. Then Steph goes out and the offense changes. And even when Draymond was out, Jordan Poole was still putting up numbers. I think it actually hurts him because if Jordan Poole had 
the primary he the focus of the offense was for him and for him to score, we probably see him score over twenty a game. But DeJounte Murray, you know the Spurs are running their offense through him. With the Warriors, there are more guys that they run through. And we're not even talking about guys like Andrew Wiggins, the rookies they have, the bench they have that come in and get minutes as well. So Jordan Poole is, is putting up these numbers with a lot of talent around him and having yep. to sacrifice more than anybody else. I still can't think. I, can't, I still think it's crazy that Andrew <laughs> Wiggins was a all-star starter. Oh. Hey, 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 that's yeah. crazy. Dude, that's hey. crazy. Blasphemy. Hey. All right, what do, you, what do you got? What do you got, Riv? What, what do you got against that? <laughs> just, you know, he made it, man. Let's not hate on him because he made it, you know? He made the all-star team, man. It's not, man. It's not his fault they voted for him. Yeah, it's what? not his fault. It was the K-pop fans, bro. It you was gotta, the K-pop gotta, fans. At that point, you got to blame the people up top, bro. You can't blame Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> it was the K-pop fans, man. I think I think one of the, like, some K-pop band guy, he... He put out like that. He met Andrew Wiggins, and he's like everybody supported him for uh, for All Star, and that thing just blew up. Like I'm not even joking about that. Like I think it was the K-pop. Oh no, yeah, he, that's how he got in because he yeah. dominated the fan votes. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I'm not even joking. Like people probably are like, how did he get in? I'll tell you how he got in. The fucking K-pop oh. fans are crazy. Tell them other wings to get better. <laughs> All right, uh, let's go ahead and move out towards the Spurs as a whole. Um, Actually, just talking about good players, who would, what do you guys like about the Spurs team, and what do you not like about it? Um, I like the guards and wings. Um, we already talked about Dejounte at length. I like Trey Jones a lot. I like Trey Jones a lot. Um, I like Devin Vassell a lot. Keldon Johnson has grown on me. I've never been the biggest Lonnie Walker fan. I'm still not a Lonnie Walker fan. I feel like what I don't like about the Spurs is the big man rotation. I'm not a big fan of Yaka Pirtle. Like, I know he's solid, but I feel like they can definitely upgrade there. And I feel like they need a four. Like, they need a true forward. Like, if the Spurs can Scotty Barnes, man. Guard, it was supposed to be Scotty Barnes. <laughs> yeah, like, if the Spurs can get, like, a Jabari Smith, I think it makes them really good. Riv, what about uh. you? For me, I like the I like the way you I like the pace you guys play at. I think that's like my favorite thing for you guys. Like, I love the way you guys p- push the ball and stuff like that. Of course, obviously, Dejounte Murray. That's duh. And I like I like Pirtle, Honestly, I, I, I like me as a Bulls fan. I kind of wanted to get him at the deadline. Like, I thought it would be huge if we got Pirtle because he's such a great defender. So that's one of the guys I definitely like too. What I don't like about you guys. I don't really have any ill like I don't have any dislikes about you guys. Honestly, I don't. There's there's really nothing for me to dislike. You guys are an okay team. I'm not Josh like, Primo. Yeah, I didn't like that pick. Th- th- thank you, Joel. I did not like that pick. I, I like. I feel like what what San Antonio. You know what? I'm not even gonna try to pick their brains because they're one of the smartest organizations ever. But what were you guys thinking picking Josh Primo? Man, so 100%. we we were all on the same on the same boat that 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 night also. Now I think and our think our mentality has changed on it throughout the season. But well, maybe you we, could help me because I I watched yeah. Alabama. I watched college. I, I watched Alabama. He was like the fourth, maybe the fifth best on most nights. Like really legit. He was like I thought he was coming back for his sophomore year. I'm thinking, all right, you know, Primo's probably going to be back. You know, they're going to have Primo, Javon next year. They'll be okay. And then he just goes and he gets picked. Like, what's that about? So what we've heard is that the Spurs, they essentially picked 
a year they picked ahead thinking of where he would have been in a draft class say that if he went to the draft this year so and since he declared he was or he was already going to get picked at least in the teens or 20s by all the reports i think it was the hawks that were interested in him at around like 17 right but um so pick, the spurs essentially picked a year in advance with uh josh primo so it's like they see the potential they knew that he was most likely if he stayed for another year he'd probably be in top 10 pick going into this year and what, what is the potential of Josh Primo? Well, well so go they, ahead. so were they there were reports that like Josh Primo had a stellar uh stellar workout. training camp, a workout for them. And it was like they were all blown away with with his training camp um with his workout with the Spurs and so that's really what propelled him from like being the later round or you know a late a late first first rounder to early second um i mean a lot of people had you know the spurs taking shangun uh, shangun like even franz wagner like which would have been really great for them um and so we a, a lot of us like we even have it on we uh Our we live did a stream as a live stream where we were all just like I I had a drive, or we drove. I drove to Dallas um, just for the live stream, for for the draft. And on the way back, we were all just trying, like, sitting in Discord, trying to figure out like why watching, you know, videos and stuff. But I think, w and like Ty said, they wanted to jump the gun and get a a potential top ten pick um, a year early, a, a year early. And not to mention, I mean, because of his age, he just turned nineteen. Yeah, like, he's really young. Yeah, absolutely. He's 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 really young. A lot of these kids that are um a lot of these kids that are coming out, you know, from college this year are 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 older than Josh Primo. So the Spurs thinking like, "Hey, you know, we're going to select Josh Primo knowing or at least hoping that he was going to be one of those top 10 guys um in in this year, but you know, they got him a little bit earlier and now fortunately they also will probably more than likely have a top 10 pick this year too. And who knows, you know, what they do with the the rest of the first rounders, whether they package them and, and move up or what. But at least that was their thinking, like, hey, we're gonna have two potential top ten picks. Primo is eventually gonna gonna turn into, you know, at least we project him to turn into a really, really high player. Um, that, you know, that can do a lot and that has a really good and I think Bill Land said it or Sean Elliott said it, but he never seems flustered in the moment. You know, for being a nineteen year old kid, he just it's always calm for him. And that was one of the things that stood out for the Spurs is like, he can handle the moment and he can handle those big shots when, when it needs to happen. Yeah. I think Josh Primo, uh, I mean, in the summer league, we saw him, he looked really good. He looked really good. Like me and Riv talked about it in the summer league. Like he looks a lot like SGA. Um, I'm not sure what level Primo's going to, going to um, ultimately reach, but I don't know. I think that pick is to be determined still. I think it was Absolutely. definitely the surprise of the draft. It still is. And I think as of right now, obviously, like Primo hasn't, he's just a, just a rookie, but I think that's a pick that people still look at that happened in the draft that was kind of a head scratcher. Yeah. And I, and, but knowing the Spurs five years ahead of here, now we're going to, we're going to, everyone's going to ask like, wait, they got Josh Primo at 11 or something. We'll probably come back yeah. to that at some point, knowing the, how the Spurs draft. Getting Calvin Johnson at twenty nine. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, when you look at the Spurs team's future, they're going into the play-in. Now it's not confirmed that they're going to move to the playoffs or not, but they're going into the play-in with the ninth best lottery odds. 
three dra three first round picks, no matter what happens, and also about I want to say just a little over thirty million dollars in cap space to spend this summer. What do you guys think about the Spurs' future and like near future going into this offseason? Joel, you want to go first? Assuming that they miss the that they don't make make the playoffs and they keep the, that ninth best lottery odds. Well, I think best case scenario is that they don't they they miss the playoffs. Um, so let's say they miss the playoffs. They have the ninth best lottery odds. Yeah, getting into that top of the top is going to be tough. But I think let let's say they like get pick seven. I think they go like Jalen Duran to uh fill Jakob Pertl's spot, a young guy who has a lot of potential. And then from there, it's just about making sure the the players on the Spurs grow. I think Devin Vassell is somebody that I can be that I think can be a high level starter. I think like All Star is not too far fetched for Devin Vassell. I think he has some things to improve on, but I think he's gonna be he's gonna be a Mikel Bridges level player. So I think it's just making sure that those players develop properly and then getting somebody in the draft that has potential to be a star. Uh for me, it's like like I agree with you on some aspect. You know, you guys got three first round picks. For me, personally, I don't think you got I think you'll beat the Pelicans. And I don't think you'll beat either the Clippers or the Timberwolves, just in my opinion. So I think you'll fall short. We're kind, of, a, we're kind of online there. I'll, I'll admit. I kind of. I think we beat the Pelicans, but I don't think we beat either the T-Wolves or Clippers. Yeah, I think it'll be competitive, but I just think those are the two teams that'll go in. So you, you'll you'll have a lottery pick this year. And for me, you know, having three first round picks, I think there is a way you guys can package that and definitely jump into the top five. If you guys can jump into the top five and get like a Jaden Ivey, I think that'd be really, really dope. You know, something like that to pair him with DeJounte Murray. You know, I think that could be definitely a possibility. Or like you said, being as if you have cap space, and I, I hope he doesn't leave, but maybe he does decide to go, you guys go get Zach Levine, who was a guy who's on the same, yeah. him and DeJounte are around the same age. So another guy who can come in and definitely help the franchise. But in terms of your future, you're in a good spot. You have young players who are still developing. You guys played hard this year. You guys were competitive. You have draft capital. You have money. You don't have any big contracts next year or the year after. So, in a sense, you guys probably have one of the brightest futures because there isn't nothing dumb about any of your moves that you've made. You're not in, you don't have a big contract that's kind of hindering you. You don't have any players that's really hindering you. Everything is, at this point, just development and playing hard. Yeah, it the conversation i'm sorry go ahead ty if you want to know you're good man i was just gonna say um so and like the conversation that you guys had amongst yourselves i know there was there was mention of like that uh, or talking about the rebuild and like oh the spurs are you know either they're not in the rebuild yet or they're starting the rebuild and so i mean just to kind of from from our perspective like you're right oh uh, um i think it was joel that mentioned like we're in the midst of a rebuild um and and so so yeah absolutely i would agree with that is like the spurs are currently in that midst of that rebuild and i think this is the first year that they pivot away from from playing like these older veterans and 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 running the iso ball and pushing it in transition and so um you know that helps or the fact that they have like all three of their their first round picks and that they have all that cap space i think they it really develop their identity going forward at this point yeah, definitely. I mean, in hindsight, you know, we didn't think Keldon Johnson would improve that much. 
he did. So you know, yeah. we, we that looks insane, but we 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 believed in Murray. You know, Devin Fussell. We I, I think he can be one of the best three and D players in the league. You know, he has potential too. You know, Lonnie Walker. We we we've been waiting. You know, guys have been waiting on him to finally take that next leap. But you guys are in a pretty good spot with all your draft capital. I think you have all your picks, and you have we a do. lot of money to spend. So you guys think, don't make any dumb, idiotic moves to try to upstart or try to move fast in your development. So that's the best part, honestly. Yeah, I think you guys are – I mean, you guys are spot on about Lonnie. I think Lonnie is probably one of the most, like, um, divisive players on the team. And it's it's crazy because, uh, you know, he's he's athletic. He can shoot sometimes. And, um, and so I think people have, like, had a really, really big, um, big opinion about him, like whether or not – you know, he ends up staying on the Spurs or... He's or, raw talent. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, that's that's all it comes down to is just, you know, which which Lonnie Walker are you going to get tonight? That's kind of the type of thing. Another question, and the Spurs Twitter has had this conversation. Do you think Kelvin Johnson can become a all-star at some point of his, in his career? No. Um, as a wing... As a forward, that's tough. That's a tough question. If I had to guess, I would probably say no. But he can right. be an all-star caliber player. All right, because we're because we were just looking at this where his scoring has developed tremendously this year. His three-point shooting has come out of nowhere, but when, also when you look at his college numbers, it's like really. How did we not look at? The, how did we not see this? Um, his passing has been getting so much better too. He's he does a lot of. T- He's going to become a three-level scorer at some point in his career if he just improves that mid-range. But yeah, well, him coming out of college, we didn't you know we thought it'd take longer than this. Honestly, we didn't yeah. think it happened this fast, you know. But I think, like, I don't, I don't think an all-star game doesn't solidify you as an all-star, in my opinion. So I, I like we people still think like people view C.J. McCollum as an all-star type of player. He's never made an all-star game. Mike Conley was viewed as an all-star type of player. He made one towards the back end of his career. So I don't think that kind of like just because you, you know, didn't make an all-star game doesn't mean you're not an all-star type player. All right. I feel like Keldon Johnson uh, is going to hover around like like in his best years, 17 to 19 points per game. So, I mean, but he I think he averaged 20 points this year, like over over 20 points this year. Uh, 17 on the year, but he had a stretch of like 10 plus games near the end, back end of the season. But that's what that's right. with you guys not having the number one. Say for example, hypothetically yeah. speaking, you get Zach Levine, he won't be averaging 20, 21 points a game. Well, he might, uh, I doubt it though. It'll probably be uh-huh. Zach, Dejounte, then Kelvin. You know, Dejounte's Absolutely. already at 20. Zach was going to give you 24 in a bad night. So, you know, it's, it's situation, but he'll he'll probably be more effective and more efficient in that role. That is yeah. so. Uh, that actually, you brought up a thing that I did, I hadn't thought about, which is you add in a number one option, either be, say, you do get like a top guy like Vonchero or something like that, or get Zach Levine. That's going to take points away from somewhere else. So that that does make a lot of sense. All right, and then final thing in terms of Spurs, were you guys expecting Spurs Twitter to go that hard after y'all on, on your tweet? <laughs> Man, I wasn't, but I'm really not surprised because every so every so often there's a fan base that like gets annoyed at like what some one of us says. It's usually me. <laughs> like um, Magic Twitter had a field day with my tweet because I compared them drafting Suggs and Cole Anthony in back to back drafts with the Kings and you know their load of guards. 
and they had a field day and they gave me a bunch of advanced analytics of how Jalen Suggs is truly going to be a superstar. So the magic came after me. Nick's Twitter has come after me before. I, I, I will say, like, I didn't expect Spurs Twitter to ride that hard, but I still don't think it, it beats Nick's Twitter. I think Nick's Twitter, not only do they ride hard, but they are very, they're, they're more vulgar in what they say. The Knicks fan base in general is just on a whole different level compared to yeah. everyone else in the league. Yeah, that's why I don't interact with Nick's Twitter. I try to stay away. <laughs> All right, so who's more toxic, though? Nick's Twitter or Lakers Twitter? It's oh. prob- well, Lakers Twitter is probably more toxic just because they're, you see them more, right? I think Nick's Twitter is, like, more underground, but um, and Lakers Twitter is, like, more mainstream. Like, everybody talks about the Lakers. Because of that... I would probably say Lakers Twitter. Everyone, Nick Twitter's too. I think, well, for starters, I didn't think the Spurs fan base would be that disrespectful. I thought they'd be a lot more calmer than that. But when I seen the tweet and I seen everybody reply, I was just like, I didn't think they'd get that aggressive. But I respect it. In terms of the question, Lakers and Knicks, the Lakers fans are delusional. Like, (laughs) mainly delusional. Knicks fans, they just want to see something good. They're a little toxic, but they do, you know, they, they're loyal. I would probably say Lakers fans, though, because they're just delusional. Something's seriously wrong with them. I, lo- <laughs> I love that you say that because I want to say it was a few years ago. I made I made tank tops that said Laker fans are fucking delusional. <laughs> <laughs> like, they, they're really, they're, they're insane. They're crazy. All, All right, right, and so before we go to this quick playoff talk, uh, what were, because going into the season, I knew that the Lakers were not going to be a good team. Injuries or not, just without that roster was constructed. I'm just curious of what your guys' opinions were going into the season for that Lakers team. Me, well, we thought they were going to be playoffs, of course. Like nobody saw them missing the playoffs, but we were not high on them at all. Like Riff and I, all off season long, said this is not going to work. It's Russell Westbrook. It's not going to work. Um, the 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 wings they had, like. Once we start talking about counting on a 39-year-old Trevor Ariza to be a defensive <laughs> stopper, and it's like, okay, like, this team is bad. Like, they had no depth. So, um, am I surprised they were this bad? Yes, but I'm not surprised they were bad. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's, <laughs> it's funny because we were – we yeah, obviously, I think me and Jamal probably had him as, like, a fourth or fifth seed just because – realistically, just off the strength of LeBron and Anthony Davis, it really had nothing to do with the other 10 guys. It was just off those two guys. But we didn't think they would, you know, be anything formidable in the playoffs. We didn't think they'd be no 65-win team like Drew and nothing like that. We thought they'd just be a playoff team just because of LeBron and AD. We saw the weaknesses early, though. They weren't good. Westbrook was declining. It was just a bad mix. Tying 130 million to three guys with two of them over 30, probably not a great idea. No, especially when one of them is Westbrook. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, okay, right. as, a, as a Bulls fan, real quick, as a Bulls fan, do you think oh that Demar, <laughs> well, Demar should? Do you think that Demar should have gone to the Lakers? Um, like, do you think that that it was a bad mistake from the Lakers front office to choose Westbrook over Demar? So I actually did some research on that stuff and. Funny part is, if DeMar would have went to the Lakers, they would have been able to keep some of the role players they had. Yes, so, yes, exactly. In a sense, yeah, I think they're dumb to do that. But 
Because it's like you would have had LeBron, and even if AD goes down, you still have some of those role players and DeMar. So you probably would have been in the playoffs right now. Yeah. Obviously, you got to take the playoffs over what you're at right now. And they don't have their, their draft pick. So it's not like it's you're not getting a top pick. You're literally going to have to rely on free agency. You don't have any money. So I think, of course, they look at it, and that was just a dumb move. But, you know, they listened to LeBron, and now they're in a hole. <laughs> yep. Um, all right, so transitioning and keeping with the Bulls. This Bulls team has been horrible in this post-All-Star stretch. Oh, my God. How, <laughs> I, 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 can, I can hear your pain already. How confident are you in this Bulls team going uh, to the playoffs? Well, we're playing the Bucks, so I'm not confident at all. <laughs> that's, that, that's number one. But, um, you know, for me, like, what I'm looking – I'm just looking to see improvement. You know, I'm just looking to see us – Stop getting punched in the mouth and not getting up. You know, I'm looking to see some some fights, some adversity. And I want to see how Zach plays. I want to see how Pat will. It's really just a young guy thing. I want to see how the young guys play in their first time in the playoffs because we're probably going to have this roster outside of Vooch next year. So I just want to see how these young guys play and if they can fight hard. If we get blown out four straight times, I'm going to be extremely upset. I might even say blow it all up. But I want to, you know, I want to just see some fight and some energy in this playoff series. At least make it competitive, or at least if we're getting swept, make the games all competitive. Yeah, we feel like that, or a lot of the Spurs fans are the same way. Is like, if you're gonna, if you're gonna be out there, field a team that's gonna compete and, and be good. Like we don't necessarily. It's not all about winning. Sometimes, sometimes it's it's about like, hey, showing showing that mustard, that gusto that you have. So yeah, when you haven't made the playoffs since twenty seventeen, you just want to get back at this right. point. But that, that's right. what we're just trying to do. Now, do you think your your window's limited with Demar being at thirty three, uh, Zach going into free agency now? No matter <laughs> what happens, you have Vucevic on the roster. Do you think that um, window is limited? Oh, the window will forever be limited if Zach doesn't resign. I think if Zach re-signs then the window gets a little bit bigger because Zach is still on I think for us to reach our ceiling Zach has to be the best player he has to not be so passive I think coming in this year you know him playing with another star it's like his first time as the guy playing with another co-star so he kind of took a back seat but like from what I've seen it looks like when Zach's on the go we look like a better team than when DeMar's on the go so I think like next year, go after this playoffs going in next year, Zach needs to be the number one guy. He's a three level scorer. He scores with ease. He's efficient. So he needs to be the number one guy, and everybody else kind of fall in line. But I don't want Vooch on the team next year. So yeah, the, it's definitely limited if we don't get Zach back. But if we get Zach back, and if everybody else improves, like Kobe White, Patrick Williams, if we get Alonzo back, I think the window as a competitive playoff team is going to be open. But as a championship team, we still need to make a move or two. And then what's your confidence on Levine re-signing? Right now, uh, 60-40. 60-40? Yeah, that's, 60-40. that's more than I was expecting from you. Yes, it, it's been, it, it was 100% at All-Star break. And it's dropped tremendously since then. So I'm at 60-40 right now. After game one, it could drop to 30-70. You never know. Because I'm on the train that the Spurs, depending on how the Bulls do... In this playoff series, the Spurs could have a pretty good chance of getting him. Well, yeah, it's either us or you guys. He's not going to Detroit. He's yeah. not going to Oklahoma City. So it's realistically, we're just worried about the Spurs. And if we don't play good, eh, and he might be gone. But the, luckily for us, the market is limited right now. It so is. it's only four or five teams with cap, and they all like most of them aren't in the playoffs right now. 
Joel, what yeah, team? You know that the Bulls Detroit suck. and Detroit and uh, the Spurs have like the most money. Have the most money this upcoming year. There it is. All right. You so know what? That the Bulls suck. You're a Nick. <laughs> <laughs> All three of our teams are not the, not the best. If we if we look in retrospect. <laughs> Wait, Joel, are you a Knicks fan? Yes. Yeah, He's a I'm Knicks a Knicks fan. fan. <laughs> what is what is the deal with like? Making Trey Young the villain, like, how, why is it so toxic with Trey Young? I don't, it's just a New York thing. I mean, it's just New York is very territorial. Um, <laughs> so despite no, no past history of a rivalry, game one of the playoffs, Knicks fans wanted to voice their hate for Trey Young, and I don't think Trey Young did anything to Knicks fans, but you know, now we definitely have a reason to hate on him. But I don't hate on Trey Young. I hate on the Hawks. I don't hate on Trey Young though. It's just it's just funny like they made the whole like that whole video of uh of of, of all the new, the Knicks fans like fuck Trey Young like this <laughs> is a great yeah, video it's a wonderful video but Jesus <laughs> All right so lo- looking at this uh, at these playoffs what teams do you guys think are going to be a disappointment The Sixers I think pretty easily um I'm already bracing myself for the disappointment um, I, I still got to watch more film and we're recording the podcast this Friday and we're going to give our playoff picks and we're going to preview the matchups and stuff. So I'm still going to watch the film on, uh, these teams in the regular season and see what I like and what I don't like. But my gut feeling is that the Sixers are losing in the first round. I think Matisse Stiebel not being able to play in Toronto is going to be huge because he's their best defender. Pascal Siakam has averaged 30 against them. James Harden looks like a shell of himself, and now you're going to have guys like OG and Anobi and Scotty Barnes and even Fred guarding him, and they're going to definitely trap him. Like, that's going to be part of their game plan. And Nick Nurse has had success on Embiid in the past, given he has the, he's had the personnel. I think we're going to see a lot of Kem Burch minutes in that series just because they need a bigger body. Embiid's going to do what he does. But I, I'm not expecting Harden to have the best series, and because of that, I don't, I don't think they can beat Toronto. Wonder for me, they... yeah, go ahead. Oh, go ahead uh, for me, it would probably be this, uh, the same. I, 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 this is gonna be oh, this is gonna be crazy. Um, I was gonna say this later in the week, but I guess I can tell you this right now. Boston for me is gonna be the disappointment because I think they're gonna lose to the Nets in the first round. So that's that's how I look at it. No Rob Will, that's gonna be tough for their defense that switchable defense and I think just playing Kevin Durant and Kyrie in a first round series is probably one of the toughest things to do uh, for me it's going to be Boston because I think they'll lose to Brooklyn wow. so, so going back to the Sixers one I did I did a whole map I'm not sure if you guys saw the tweet but I did a whole calculation thing of searching like the top 20 scores in the league along with James Harden on uh, and the percentage of the points that they had total in the year came from the free throw line mm-hmm. so the overall league average is about twenty for top for the top twenty scores, and I want to say like LeBron was actually like pretty low significantly. Like pull this up real quick because I had this. Um, I don't think this is purely up to date, but like you have Giannis was at twenty seven percent, John at twenty six, Demar Derozan at twenty four. But overall, an average of that is about twenty percent. The only two players over thirty percent of their points coming from the free throw line were Joel Embiid and James Harden, mm-hmm. and. We all know that the playoffs is a different game, that you're not going to get the calls are not going to be the same that as you would get through the regular season, and since most of their scoring does come from free throws, 
I think they're going to struggle. James, like you already said, James Harden is a shell of himself. He is not. The, this is not the James. Just like Russell Westbrook, he is not the same James Harden from like four or five years ago. Yep. So that lack of athleticism, not having your one of your best defenders in die bowl for half the series at least, against a very, very driven young Toronto team is now gonna. I don't think it's gonna go well for Philadelphia. Yeah, there there are so many things that are working against Philly. Like you mentioned, the free throw numbers. Um, they're not going to get that many in the playoffs. They're not going to get as much. James Harden declining. Uh, can you really trust Tyrese Maxey right now in a playoff series? Um, I think he'll be fine, but, you know, what is he? Is he going to play at a star level? I'm not sure. And then outside of Harden, Maxey, and Embiid, the Sixers don't have anybody that scares you. Like, it's who? Tobias Harris, who's one of the more inconsistent players in the league. Then Danny Green, who is better at podcasting than he is at basketball now. <laughs> um, then your their bench is Niang. Like, you know, they just don't have the depth, I think, to match up with Toronto. And, yeah, they traded away, like, the good pieces of that depth and that Ben Simmons trade, too, which I thought was yeah. a horrible way to go. Mm-hmm. It's like, the way that uh, the way that Maury was running that trade, uh, he was going to, the Sixers were going to lose that trade no matter what. Even if you got James Harden, I don't think you win that trade. I mean, they win it if Harden turns into what he's always been, but yeah. he hasn't been that. But like at this pr- current projection, at this current path, that's not gonna. You're not. I don't see James Harden turning it around quickly. Yeah, I agree. So if you guys were to, um, okay, so let's do. Since you guys said that you're gonna make a podcast on on Friday, by that time, the at least a portion of the play-ins will be will be played. So give me your guys' predictions. So it's gonna be the Spurs. Pelicans and the Timberwolves Clippers. What? Timberwolves Clippers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the Spurs, Pelicans, um, Timberwolves and Clippers, and then on the eastern side it's gonna be Hawks and Hornets and Nets and Cavs. What are you guys' predictions for those for the play in games? So for the East, I think the Nets beat the Cavs. I think the Hawks beat the Hornets and the Hawks beat the Cavs. So Nets are seven, Hawks are eight. In the oh. West, I, I think the Timberwolves beat the Clippers, and they get the seventh seed. I think the Pelicans beat the Spurs, and then the Clippers beat the Pelicans. So hold on, I need I need to go back. You think you think Cleveland misses the playoffs? I do. That's a spicy take. No, the spicy take was saying the, the Timberwolves are going to beat the Clippers. That's ridiculous. <laughs> um, yeah, for me, the Clippers are going to beat the Tims. And then Tim's are going to beat the Spurs, who are going to beat the Pelicans. So the Clippers will go seven seed, and they will play Memphis, and the Tim's will play the Suns. On the other side, the East. It, this depends on if I don't know like this right now. If Allen and Mobley do play though, the Nets are going to beat the Cavs, and they'll play Boston. And I feel like the Cavs are going to beat the Hawks, who I think will beat the Hornets, and I think the Cavs will be the eight seed, and they'll play the Heat. I think Riven Eyes projections kind of line up in terms of Spurs beat the Pelicans but they don't beat the Clippers or Minnesota Minnesota I have Minnesota goes seven seed but the Clippers still beat out the Spurs in a very close game and go to eight seed and I think so, both if, I think both sorry, Brooklyn sorry, and then. then both Brooklyn and Cleveland go advance now who wins it I think I kind of I would agree that Brooklyn goes seven Cleveland goes eight Riff who do you think uh who do you think from the from the Clippers can match up with with Cat? I think the nobody, you know, cat, cat is. It gets his, I mean, he gets his points, right? 
Cat's going to get his. I think what, what the Clippers, the problem with Minnesota is, like, Anthony Edwards is a good defender. Jared Vanderbilt is a really great defender. But at the same time, I think the, the way the Clippers' defense is set up, like how they have four – they run out four or five wings at a time, and it's a switchable defense. And on top of that, the spacing they have on offense, they're going to be able to pick on guys like Pat Bev and D'Lo. Not because they don't play defense. They're just small. And they're, just, they're just too small. And now with Paul George back and his playmaking being what it is and him being an elite scorer, I think he's going to be able to pick the Clippers – I mean, the Tims apart. Anthony so, Edwards is giving them 30, bro. You know they beat them three times already. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. This, mind you, this tie, they have they have the better coach, the more experienced coach. They know he's not better it, than Chris Finch. Oh my! <laughs> they they know what it feels like to be in situations like this. We've seen it already. We've seen this team through adversity. So I just feel like the Clippers right now can't be beat by a young, in it fresh team like the Timberwolves. Just watch. You, you mean it. You mean a Timberwolves team that almost blew a game to the Spurs because they were trying to get Anthony Edwards 50? That's insane. Yeah, it almost happened, though. They should have got that 50. I mean, wasn't they supposed to get 50, Joel? They were supposed to. But, you what'd, know, they, what'd they do? I mean, weren't the Bulls supposed to be a top team in the East? Oh! I had my Bulls as a, as a fifth seed. You guys, are, you guys are first-round exits. Don't worry about the Timberwolves. <laughs> Yo, they're going to beat this. They're what gonna, what the exit are you? The Timberwolves are going to beat <laughs> the first. They're going to get the seventh seed. Yeah, they yeah, will yeah. match up. They will match up against Memphis in the first round and beat their ass. Ooh. But wait, let me ask you. Let me ask you this question: What are the Knicks seeding? What what first round? What exit are you right now? <laughs> don't don't worry about our exit, man. We got Obi Toppin. Obi Toppin is top thirty. This is. I'm fine with that. I, I'm fine with that. You're literally gonna. Not only did you miss the playoffs, third seed. You're literally. You know, gonna you know, you're, you know, you're, you know, you're literally. The Bulls this year are literally with the Knicks for last year. You know that, right? You think so? Yeah, you're a first round exit. That's all you are. You know what's you know you know what's even funnier? We're gonna make the playoffs again next year. So this is gonna be consistent. That's why we're not the Knicks. I don't know. What if Zach leaves? You no know, playoffs for you. I mean you should I wish I know you wish Booty is Randall left. <laughs> He's gonna He's get great. traded. Yeah, I, I would hope so. The market's real high for my boy. <laughs> Maybe. All right, I love how you spoke this fire, dude. This is great. I love this. This is this is great content. But uh, let's go ahead and wrap it up, um, guys. Where can they find your podcast, and where can they find you guys specifically on social media? Um, they can find our podcast on Twitter and on Twitter at Pick Aside Pod, on Instagram and TikTok at Pick Aside Podcast, on YouTube at Pick Aside. Um, and then for me personally, you can find my Twitter at Joel V Moran. And that's that's my name across every social media. So you can find me everywhere with that. Oh, you guys want? Ah, oh, damn! I thought you was gonna do both of us, Joel. Why would I do yours? <laughs> I don't remember my stuff like off the top of my head. Um, my Twitter, Durag Rev. You can find me on there, and my Instagram is Rivio with five O's. So you could definitely find me on there too. And Rev, how many points are you putting up next game that you that you play? Um, we got a tough game next week. You know, they're both they they're five and zero. Oh, we're five and zero. Oh, so it's ah, the best team in the league. I don't know. You always um, had that triple double the other week. I had a triple double uh, two days ago, three four days ago. Last Man, week, I, are you challenging your energy, Dante? <laughs> I'm more like uh, I'm like Prime Rondo. He keeps saying George. I don't shoot any threes. I haven't taken a three all season. 
Oh, that's Russell Westbrook territory right there, dude. I'm Ben Simmons, bro. Oh, there you go. Ben Simmons, yeah. <laughs> hey, Ben Simmons, man. Mac, where can I find you? Uh, yeah, you guys can find me at Mac Ben, yeah. I don't use any any other socials. Actually, you know what? You can find me also on Mr. Golden Arches on TikTok. I just started that. Like I say, yeah, put your TikTok. Uh, you can find at the line at the line pod, uh, and you can find me on Twitter at the Ty Jager. That's the Ty J A G E R. But guys, thank you so much for joining us. This is a lot of fun. We'll have to we'll have to do this again. This was a lot of fun. Got to revisit everything come the off season. If if Zach Levine does leave, Riv, we gotta talk with you. I think yeah. that's a, that's a must. Yeah. Uh, ben, you, if he leaves, you, definitely. Are you are you becoming a Spurs yeah, fan sure. if he leaves? Um. No, I'll, I, if DeJounte's there and I'm not a Spurs fan now, I don't think I'll be a Spurs fan when Zach goes there. To be honest with you. I like we'll, we'll see. We'll come back. We'll come back to that. <laughs> if you guys go trade for Cam Reddish, though, I'll be a Spurs fan. Oh, okay. I like I it. I see it. Yeah, I can see if that, that, that's the case. Then I'll, I'll definitely, and I'm a ride or die, so I'll definitely fight for you guys if you do that. Hey, but, we've been wanting Cam Reddish. We've been wanting one of those Hawks. Yeah, well, he plays for a poverty franchise now, so. Oof. <laughs> Did he get traded to the Bulls? <laughs> <laughs> Guys, you, you got a lot. You got plenty of takes for your for your podcast this weekend. But again, that's been pick side po- pick a side pod with Joel and Riv. Again, thank you guys for coming joining on with us uh, for Mac and Ty. This has been at the line, and we'll see you guys next time. <laughs>